Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Oh, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Or welcome, welcome to Hope Online. I'm so glad you could join me here this morning. You know, this week is a week of sports, is it not? We have the Euro finals at Wembley, the tennis finals at Wimbledon, and just next weekend we have the British Formula One at Silverstone. Which got me thinking about some interesting facts about uh, the sports. Why should you never date a tennis player? Because love means nothing to them. And why did Cinderella get kicked off the football team? Because hmm? she kept running away from the ball. Okay, I'm sorry, that, that's really bad, I know. But I, I was Googling for football jokes and the thing is, I didn't understand any of them. I'm sure some of them are rude and like I would, wouldn't even know, so I, I just dared not, I dared not. But before we go on, something even more exciting than the Euro 2021 finals... Yeah, hope is coming home. Hope is coming home. Starting the 1st of August, we'll be back in the school hall for our Sunday morning services. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in person if you're able to be there with us. If you're not, we're going to continue to video the services and upload them to our uh, church website. So by Sunday afternoon, they'll be there for you to to watch and to, to watch again if you want to. More details to come in the weeks ahead. So why don't you grab your Bibles, open your apps and turn with me to Luke chapter 5 verse 27. We're continuing our slow stroll through the book of Luke and Acts, discovering all the promises of God that we can rely on and the purposes of God that play out in our lives every single day. And this week I want to talk to you about the fact that you're past is not your present it goes like this Luke chapter 5 verse 27 after this he that's Jesus he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax booth and he said to him follow me so leaving everything he arose and followed him and then Levi he made a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others. They were all kind of oh, reclining at the table. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled to Jesus' disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and other sinners? Well, Jesus answered them. He said, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, hmm? I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You know, Jesus has a, had a really or has a really unusual approach when it comes to picking people who are going to play on his team. 
I mean, would you instinctively, naturally want to pick like a loud mouth like Peter or Levi the swindler to be on your team? I mean, Peter, he, he spoke more than he thought. Levi, he took more than he gave. But, but Jesus saw their potential. Yet he sees the diamond hidden under the dirt. And Jesus, he sees beyond our temporary imperfections and the mistakes that we make. Now, unstable Peter went on to become the solid leader of the church in Jerusalem. Levi would become one of the most generous people mentioned in Scripture. You know, there's a, there's a leadership principle here. You know, it's called some call it the law of intuition. I say it's the, the ability to recognize that that little nudge of the Holy Spirit that gives you the ability to spot potential in people and potential in situations. I mean, who are the sorts of people that God picks to be on his team? There's Moses, the man with the stammer, who's chosen to be God's spokesperson before Pharaoh and the whole Egyptian court. There's David, the shepherd boy, who's chosen to be a king, John the Baptist, also known as Stinky John the Unwashed, or Crazy John, or just John the Rude. He's chosen to prepare the way for the Messiah. Mary, the ex-prostitute, is chosen to herald the resurrection. You know, leaders evaluate everything with this uh, leadership bias. They're always looking for potential in people, potential in situations. They consider the big picture as well as the, the detail. And they keep their eye on the prize, the mission, the goal. That's how Jesus operated and we're called to become more like him every day. And to do that, that means we need to see people the way that Jesus did. Now, the world tries to define you by your past. But Jesus, he defines people according to their future potential. Because it's not your past that matters. It's your future. So, so you, you don't define yourself by your past either. You are not the mistake that you made a year ago. You are not the choices that you regret. They, they don't define who you are. Yeah, those are things that you did. They're not you. Jesus, he, he took a team of loudmouthed, stinky, thieving, rude, immoral social outcasts and he used them to change the world. So people like you and me, we're going to fit in no problem to Jesus' team. The devil loves to try and hold people back. And one of his greatest tricks is, is to convince God's children that they're no good, or that they're unworthy, or they're too weak, or too busy, so that we just simply fail to turn up and have a go. So, so the next time the devil tries to put you down, the next time he tells you that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, the next time he reminds you of your past, right, you just go right ahead and remind him of his future. And then you focus on your future. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that he came that we would all have life in all of its fullness. Yeah, life in all its fullness has nothing to do with the things that we, that we have. 
is to do with the things that we do and who we become. You know, that is Jesus's purpose. And that is Jesus's purpose for you, that you would become the person that God created you to be and that you would do all the amazing things that God planned for you to do. So at, at this point in Luke's gospel, at the tail end of chapter five, we're actually at the, the final part of a trilogy of stories all about God's love and grace, overturning the assumptions in the society at the time about who it is that God loves and who is worthy of being loved and who is worthy of saving. Yeah, first of all, Jesus, he healed the leper, the unclean, the disgusting, don't touch him or you'll get it type of person. And then Jesus healed the, the disabled man. You know, he must have been a very naughty boy for, for God to have so cursed him with that kind of disability. And now Levi, the tax collector, a man so corrupt, his sin is clear to everyone in the whole town. And these are the people that the Holy Son of God chooses to touch and set free and to forgive and to bless with the healing that they need. And in all of these stories, we find the Pharisees standing in the shadows, watching and criticising. And they kind of represent those people who have spent so long focusing on the, the, the rules and the, the laws of the Torah, the, you know, Moses' law. They're trying to behave in a way that will get them into God's favour. They've spent so long focusing on the law and the rules that they've lost sight of the love and the grace of God. Now, I must tell you, if, you, if you're not aware already, that the only thing standing between polite society and a zombie flesh-eating apocalypse is the humble comma. It's, it's a comma. It's all that stands between us and the abyss. So let me explain. Imagine a small child visiting their grandparents and granny has set the table with a delicious array of, of small sandwiches and sliced ham and Victoria sponge and sliced Battenberg. Oh my word, it's, it's like heaven on a three-tiered plate. And the child declares, let's eat, grandpa. But without that comma, it becomes, let's eat, grandpa. Not all, at all as tasty as homemade Battenberg. Now, there, there was a book on grammar that was published in about 2004 called Eats, Shoots and Leaves. And the book tells the story of a panda visiting a bamboo cafe. And it all turns out very differently due to one misplaced comma. See, what should happen is the panda turns up to the bamboo cafe and she eats shoots, you know, bamboo shoots, she eats shoots and leaves. So whether that's she leaves or she eats bamboo leaves, I don't know, but she eats shoots and leaves. But thanks to a misplaced comma by a distracted copy editor, the panda actually enters the cafe and then eats shoots and leaves. Fortunately, the only thing that got shut up was, was furniture. Not, no cuddly animals were, were harmed. But forever the panda was known as the one who eats, shoots, and then leaves. 
bit like Levi. 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 A bit like Levi, because Levi's response to the call of Jesus, he eats, shouts, and leaves. See what I did there. So Levi, or, or Matthew, as he's called in the other Gospels, it's the same person. He's he's a little bit of an enigma. See, very little is written about him in the Bible, even though he wrote one of the four Gospels. He's mentioned in the list of apostles in Matthew chapter 10. But apart from that, his only other mention in all of the Gospels is this story about how Jesus called him and how Jesus, uh, how Levi reacted to that call. What does he do? He eats, he shouts and he leaves. And he's a, that's a good example to us all. Let me make let me explain that. First of all, Levi, he eats, okay? He made a great feast at his house. That's what the Bible says. To celebrate what God had done for him. You know, this isn't about being greedy or overindulgent. This is about celebrating the goodness of God. This is living out Psalm 23. You lay a table before me. Or Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2. It's about being brought into God's banqueting house and his banner over me is love. Later in in Luke 14, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a great banquet where all the poor and the lame and the blind are invited. People who could never repay the generosity of being invited to this sumptuous, glorious banquet. The kind of people who never get invited to parties because they can never repay the host. They will never be able to extend an invitation in return. So Levi, he, he eats, he, has, he makes his great feast in his house. So he must have been living in a big house in the centre of town. And he invites not only the tax collectors, but also you know, the others described by the Pharisees as, as other sinners. In other words, the, all the other people who would never get invited to anything in polite society, the people who get shunned, the people who get gossiped about at the parties, the people who are rejected because of the choices that they made and the way that they earn a living trying to put food on their table. You know, and this, this wasn't just a small select gathering of friends. It was a large company, yeah, a large company of tax collectors plus all the other kinds of sinners. And there in the middle of it all was Jesus. So Levi, he he eats and he shouts. He tells everyone he knows. This large company tells them all about Jesus. He kind of reminds me of the the woman at the well in Samaria who ran back into town and says, hey, everybody, come and see this man, Jesus. And Levi, he invites everyone he knows and he shouts about what Jesus has done for him and to him. And Levi, he eats, he shouts and he leaves. Now Jesus said to Levi, he said, follow me. And Levi, leaving everything, he rose and followed him. That's what the Bible says. It reminds me of the passage we looked at a couple of weeks ago when Jesus was calling his first disciples. The Simon was there and James and John, the sons of thunder. There was that miraculous catch of fish and Jesus says, follow me. From now on, you'll not be catching men, but fish. What the Bible says, they brought their boats to land and they left everything and followed him. They left everything to follow him. Levi, he eats, he shouts, and then he leaves. 
leaving everything, he stood up from his tax collector's desk, you know, money piled high like Scrooge McDuck, and leaving everything, leaving everything, he follows Jesus. How does, how does our reaction to the call of Jesus compare to Levi's? Do we eat and shout and leave like Levi did? And not just at the beginning, but still today. Perhaps it's been years since we answered the call of Jesus. It's years since we accepted his forgiveness and called ourselves a Jesus follower. But every week, do we still eat and shout and leave? How often do you celebrate what God has done for you? You know, gather your friends and your family and share a meal or some other social gathering and just for the purpose of celebrating what God has done for you. Maybe you do that at Christmas and at Easter, but any other time? What would it be like if we did that every month or every week? And when did he last give Jesus a shout out? Telling people what it means to you to be a Jesus follower. Do your colleagues at work or your friends at college or the people you meet on the dog walk, do they know that you're a Jesus follower? And, and what did you leave for Jesus? What do you need to leave behind this week that's been getting in the way of you following Jesus? Have you developed some new habits, some new routines on Sundays that you need to leave behind as we look to reopen church and start gathering again on Sunday mornings from August? Are you listening now to me on a podcast or a video replay because you didn't actually turn up on Sunday morning? Now, there's a, there's a reason why the Bible warns us that we must not neglect the meeting together. We need to stir each other up to love and to good works. We need to encourage one another. And we do that when we gather at the same time, in the same place. So what do you need to leave behind this week? And that thing that that just came to mind is probably the right place to start. Maybe it's some offence. Maybe it's some disappointment. Maybe it's some fear or maybe it's some worry. You might need to leave behind an obsession with earning money or growing your business or working too hard. You might need to leave behind a relationship or a hobby that's been taking over your week. Now, whatever it is, consider the reaction of the disciples of Jesus. It's recorded in the Bible because it's an example for us today. Simon and Andrew and James and John and Levi, they left everything and followed Jesus. So this week, I challenge you to make like a disciple of Jesus and eat and shout and leave stuff. And when I think about it, Levi must have been eating and shouting really loud because you know, the Pharisee had heard about it and come along to see what was going on. And this is the second thing I want to say to you today you know, about the, his Pharisees grumble and judge. Which, which sounds a bit like a, a Dickensian law firm, doesn't it? Pharisees grumble and judge. 
They're the arch rivals of Marley and Scrooge. <laughs> but anyway, in verse 30 of Luke 5 it says, And the Pharisees and their scribes, they grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now some people, they aspire to be an influencer, to be kind of in with the in crowd, to have yeah, friends in high places. Well, Jesus, Jesus had friends in low places. Yeah, and the religious establishment of the day, they, they did not like it at all. Now, the, the, the genesis of the, the Pharisees movement, it was it born out of their, their desire to, to maintain the distinctiveness of being Jewish in a land that was ruled by one empire after another. Babylon and Assyria and Egypt and Rome. For, I mean, for hundreds of years, these people have been without a homeland. They have been occupied and forced to adopt to the customs of their latest overlords. So against this backdrop, we have the scribes and the Pharisees. They're working hard to define what it means to be Jewish, how to be distinct and set apart, and how not to lose their national and religious identity. Now, and that's a perfectly honourable goal. It's a good thing. But what it eventually grew into was a preoccupation with keeping the law while forgetting what the law is for. Yeah, the, the very definition of the phrase, you know, keeping the letter of the law, but ignoring and forgetting the spirit of the law. Now, Jesus, at this point of his ministry, you know, we're still at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. He's focusing his ministry on the Jewish nation, the people of Israel. The gospel of good news he's preaching was to Jews. And the and this good news that he shared was about having a way back to God for those who had wandered away or become outcasts in society. He was doing what the pri the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees should have been doing, showing the lost children of Israel the way back to Yahweh and the way back into worship. Jesus wasn't accepting of the life choices of the people he was eating with. He was preaching a gospel of repentance to sinners. He was speaking to Jews who knew they'd broken the Ten Commandments, that they had failed to worship Yahweh alone in the way that they should. But unlike the Pharisees who were simply offering condemnation to the sinners, Jesus, who was offering an escape route, a rescue line, a way back to God to repent, to change, to behave differently, to be forgiven and accepted by God. Now Luke makes it clear in his gospel that Jesus was preaching to sinners, preaching to people who needed to make a dramatic U-turn in their lives. Yeah, that's what, that's what repent means, to, to be going in one direction and to turn around and head in another direction, physically, metaphorically, mentally. Yeah, it's, it's to change your thinking. I mean, let's, let, let's just take a little peek at the Greek. So have a, have a look at this chart. This is the number of times the word for sinners in the Greek, homatolos, homatolos, okay? So the number of times the word sinners occurs in the different Gospels. And we can see that there's overwhelming emphasis from Luke, yeah, always to how Jesus was preaching a gospel of repentance to sinners, the homatolos, the, the, the sinners. And look at the word repentance as well, how often that turns up in the New Testament. Where is it? It's in the books written by Luke, in the Gospel and in Acts. So the, the message of Luke, absolutely, it's this Gospel of repentance 
that's aimed at people who have become aware that they've done wrong and they need to change how they live, think and act as a sign that they've come back to God. Now we know from his introduction to his book that Luke, he wrote his gospel as an encouragement to Theophilus and that that community of believers. And the recurring theme of repentance, it serves as a reminder to those new converts as they're reading the gospel to stand firm in their repentance and not to succumb to the temptations that are around them, not to return to the old lifestyles that they had before they met Jesus. And it's a reminder that serves us well today. You know, walking with Jesus is a journey. We're walking with Jesus. We don't sit still with Jesus. We walk with Jesus. And on that journey, we encounter twists and turns and roads and junctions. And we have to decide which way we're going to turn. And so in this context, when we think about repentance, actually, it's, it's an ongoing almost everyday process because we need to keep changing our thinking paul in romans talks about talks about it as renewing your mind keep trying to see the way the world the way that jesus does to see people the way that jesus does to catching ourselves when we've got bad attitudes or making wrong assumptions when we're being pharisees and grumbling and judging we need to learn to see the way see people the way that Jesus does, especially the loudmouth, stinking, thieving, rude, immoral, social outcasts that Jesus puts on his team. Now, the Bible describes someone who has not yet become a follower of Jesus. It describes him as a, as a sinner, yeah? the hamartalos. But this is who Jesus hung around with because he wanted desperately for those people to turn their lives around, to repent and become Jesus followers, for Jesus to become their Lord and Saviour. And when you do that, when you put your faith in Jesus and follow him like Levi did and like Simon and Paul and James and Andrew, when they did that, the Bible calls you not a sinner, but a saint. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Yeah, Saints do sin, but it's not their defining identity anymore his saints make mistakes they do things that they regret and so as we walk with jesus as saints as we talk with jesus as we keep on changing our thinking and our attitudes we do become more like him over time i want to to pray with you now If, if you've never decided to follow jesus now is the time that you can do that to to repent to turn around to change your thinking and your attitudes and turn your life literally around and if you are already a Jesus follower I have no doubt that there are thoughts and attitudes and behaviors that that you know that you know that's not the way that Jesus wants you to follow him so now is your moment to decide to repent of those aspects of your mind and life and personality and character to decide to turn a corner and change. Let's pray together this prayer that comes up on the screen right now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Come into my heart, 
Forgive me of my sin. I repent of those things I do that I know are wrong and of those things I fail to do that I know that I should do. Where my thoughts are wrong, where my emotions are a mess, where my attitudes stink, Lord, wash me and cleanse me and set me free from those habits and mindsets. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because of Jesus in my heart. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, if you prayed this prayer with me today for the first time, I could tell you that your sins are forgiven. Always remember to run towards God and not away from God because he loves you. He has a great plan for your life. And if you prayed with me today, please press that button on the screen right now to to raise your hand to let me know that you've chosen to trust God to set your eternal destination to be heaven and that that you've repented of those things in your life that the Holy Spirit's been challenging about this week. Well, bless you, church. Don't forget, it's the Hope Family Picnic today, starting at 1130 going on to about 1.30 in the Cloister Gardens. It's right behind Marmesbury Abbey. So that's just at the top of the steps that come up from the Longstay Car Park uh, in Marmesbury. Uh, you'll be home in time for the tennis finals. Don't worry, Sue Jones. Right, <laughs> during this week, we've got communion on the couch at 7.30 um, Monday night. We've got uh, the ladies who lead at 10 o'clock Tuesday morning. And if you ever miss any of those episodes, you can catch them up on demand on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for joining me here today at Hope Online. We'll be here every week until we get to reopen the doors of our church at the start of August. Well, I'm going to close down the service now, but the chat's going to stay open. If you want to pray with someone or speak to a member of the team, just click that request prayer button. It'll open up a private chat window and we can talk and pray together. We're going to pray for you, church. Thank you for your continued prayers for us. Please cover our reopening plans in prayer. And thank you for your faithful financial support that's allowed us to keep on going through this season. You know, God sees the seeds that you sow and promises through Scripture that they will yield a harvest. Now, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. So until we meet again, be good, be happy, be healthy, be holy. See you soon. Bye for now.